Okay, if you don't have a Bible, it would be good for you to have one. Jamie's got some at the back there if you just put up your hands. Uh, Jamie will give you a Bible there. message we'll be turning to Ephesians chapter 2 and it's called New Life in Christ. Let's pray. Father God we give you thanks for this opportunity to hear from your word today and we do pray Father God that your word would speak to us in the name of Jesus and through the power of your spirit and Father God I pray that you would just speak through me that there would be nothing of me in this that this would be you speaking and Father I just pray that I I would be a vessel that you could use today Lord and we we pray for that cleansing we would rely on the blood of Jesus shed for each one of us today we thank you for his finished work at Calvary and we thank you that he's commissioned us to preach the good news and to live the life you've called us to live and Father we pray that your voice would speak to our hearts today and help us receive your word we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Amen New Life in Christ Ephesians Chapter 2. I'm just going to read from verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, We were, by very nature, objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do new life in Christ there's a few points I'd like to bring out from this uh, particular passage today first of all we see in the first few verses that sin's work was working against us sin's working against us have a look at verses 1 to 3 there The Apostle Paul is here writing to the church in Ephesus. These are a church that Paul's planted, uh, who he loves, and he's caring for them. He's he's writing to them to to encourage them. He says, as for you, he says in verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. What does Paul mean there? He means that before they came to know Jesus, they were spiritually dead. They had no spiritual life in them that was real. Does that make sense? And what do we mean by that? Well, 
that means that they were disconnected from God because God is life and without him there is no real life and it also means separation from God they didn't have that relationship with him and why is that? why is this separation happening? why was that the case? well it says clearly there that it's because of transgressions and sins because of transgressions and sins why is that then? well sin is disobedient disobedience against God sin is disobedience against God against God's perfect plan against the way things should be according to his perfect character does that make sense? and when we sin we've done something that is against his perfect character and something that's against his perfect will that was the principle that happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were given a perfect situation to live in I was just reading this morning again from Genesis chapter 2. If you read it, read Genesis 1 and 2. Look at what God did for human, human beings. Created man and gave him everything he would ever have needed for his good. Including a perfect relationship with God himself. Gave man a helper and women. All the animals. All the trees that were good for food. It was perfect. What more could mankind have asked for? But there was just one thing that God said... Do not eat of, of uh, the tree of knowledge of good or evil. You can have everything else, but I'm telling you one thing. Just be obedient to me. I'll give you everything. I've given you everything you need. More than you would ever could ever ask or imagine. But I'm asking you to obey this one instruction. But they were tempted there to, to disobey God. And they did disobey God. And they were encouraged by Satan. But they made their own decision. And that decision was sin. And since that, that first sin... Our situation in our relationship with God and man has been fallen. We've fallen from the original state of perfect relationship with God. That makes sense? It's really, really simple, but so many times I think we don't really un- understand the, the impact of that. So we've had generations have been born since into this sinful separation from God. So we see sin now working against us we see some of the things that are happening in Ephesians chapter 2 there's a a couple of things I'd like to point out firstly you see the world is mentioned there do you notice that the world is mentioned verse 2 and the way you used to live when you followed the ways of this world isn't it true that the world affects how we behave at times that we're influenced by the world we're influenced by the the things that go on in the world and let's face it a lot of the things going on in the world are not honouring God. And you only need to turn on the news broadcast to see that. That we're not living in a world where God's, uh, God has been honoured. So there's a the, there's the pressure from the world around. There's also sin, temptation to sin, being influenced by Satan himself. and You see that there, the verse 2. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So you see there the word disobedient comes out there because um, Satan and his influence can't force us to sin. It still is our own particular choice. God created us with an ability to choose whether to obey or whether to, to, to disobey. Just like Adam and Eve made choices to sin, so every one of us have sinned at some point or another. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we see really powerfully, and I think 
described as here the the reality of sin working against us in these various ways. So what's the, what's the solution to this? How can, can I now, sin is working against me, so can I just work against sin? And work hard at working against sin and get right with God? Because that's probably naturally what we would want to do, isn't it? When something comes against you in life, what do you try and do? Try and fight back. You try and fight back in your own strength, don't you? You say, right, I'm going to beat this thing. That's what I do, naturally speaking. That's our tendency. So, can I work to fight against it? Well, this passage tells us something different. It shows us in verses 4 to 9 that God has done a work for us on our behalf. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us. Praise God that the the scriptures don't stop in verse 3 with sin working against and a situation like that. It says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So let's pull a few phrases out of that. What does it mean to say God who is rich in mercy? Well, that's part of his character. He's, He's merciful. And the word mercy means to hold back Judgment which is due to a situation. And we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God in his mercy has chosen to hold it back. But he held it back from us, but he put it onto his son, Jesus, on the cross. Because the punishment still had to be paid. Notice too in here that our good works and our efforts to combat sin can't make us right with God. Verse 5 it says, It is by grace you have been saved. In verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. What do we mean by by grace you have been saved? Well, grace means an unmerited favour. Let's say a neighbour comes down to your door. You've never really spoken to them. You've never had a particular nice word to say to them or back from them. They knock at your door. You open the door. They've got a big Christmas present for you. And they say, hello neighbour. Um, I've got this lovely gift, gift for you. What would you think? Apart from thinking maybe the postman got the wrong door and just said to your neighbour to leave you and uh, deliver it to you later. <laughs> You'd be thinking things like, what have, what have I done to deserve this? Why would my neighbour give me a present when I've never done anything for them? I've never really spent time with them. I've got no relationship really with them at all at this point in time. I don't even know them and they're doing this for me. It's an unmerited favour. It's an act of unmerited kindness. And the Bible says that before we ever loved God, he loved us first. Before we ever knew him, he knew us, he created us. And he loved us before the very day that we were born. And he comes, he comes to the door of our lives with a gift of the life of Jesus Christ sacrificed for us on the cross. And we didn't deserve it. But he loves us so much that he did that for us. He's our God. He made us and he loves us. God worked for us. Jesus took the punishment on our behalf. He says they are not by works so that no one can boast. We can't work to get into a right relationship with God. We must believe in him to get into a right relationship with him. Now that's something that you may have heard said a number of times. But can I just say to you today, going to church does not make you saved. And and reading your Bible doesn't make you saved. And even sometimes praying doesn't mean you're saved. Praying... Believing in God is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. And believing that he, God sent his son to die for you personally. And asking him to forgive you for your sins. 
and feeling like you're sorry for your sins and, and confessing it to him and asking him to take it away. And it's also not head knowledge because we live in a Western society that knows what the message is, don't they? If we were to go and ask out in the streets, I'm sure most people would, would know the message to some extent about Jesus going to die on a cross and rise again from the dead and that we should trust in him. But that knowing about it is different from believing it and accepting it and, can, and asking God to save us from our sins. So if you haven't done that today, you can take that step. The gift is at the door waiting to be received, but you must choose to receive it and believe in it. One of the things that stops us receiving the gift is because we feel as if we need to work for something. Because we're, we're in a society, work is part of human life. We're used to it, and usually your value that you have is based on how much somebody's willing to pay for you. So we feel valued because our employer says we're worth X amount of £1,000 per year. And we feel as if we deserve that salary because we've worked for it. And there's something in us, men and, and women, that we feel like we need to be doing that in order to get the reward back. And we maybe sometimes feel undervalued or overvalued, depending on how our experience has been in life about these things. But the, the gift that God has paid for us is of infinite value. That gift of his son, Jesus Christ, paying the price and removing our sins is the greatest, most valuable gift ever. And it's a personal gift. It's not a blanket, not considering the individual. When Jesus was on the cross, he knew every one of you before you were born. God knew it before time. And it was for you and me that he was there. It's personal. And it's of infinite value. But we can't work for it. <clears throat> we must believe in it and receive it. Because it says, therefore, it's by grace you've been saved. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. It's through faith. There, verse 8. Through faith. I need to reach out my arms. And I need to go to my neighbour at the door. And I need to grab hold of that present. And I need to say, thank you for thinking of me. And for paying a price for that for me. And I'll receive that and I'll welcome that in. And we need to do that with, it, with the Lord. Okay, so maybe you felt like you've been working to get out with God. You've been thinking, maybe I'll do better next year or next month. But never just quite taking that step of trusting and receiving. So what is the result when we believe in God's work for us and receive it? Well, this is really important. We are given a new life in Christ, which is the, the theme of our talk today. New life in Christ. Verse 5 says... God made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. So again, we're talking about a spiritual life. We mentioned that earlier on. We're spiritually dead before we receive Jesus. But when we do, we receive a brand new life. Amen? A brand new life. Can anybody say that when they received Jesus, they felt a difference? We've heard it testified in this place, you know. Whatever age it was that you would have given your heart to Jesus and surrendered to him, you know about it. <laughs> and the people round about you know about it. Because you have received a new life. You are a new creation. You know, the church here is not called New Beginnings because it was a new church. It's called New Beginnings because in Christ we receive a new beginning. We're a new person. We're not talking here about a New Year's resolution. You know, we're coming up to that time of year. I've done it too, folks. Uh, get into the new year and we join with okay reflect on the last year and 
maybe maybe we'll we'll think about being what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to be more healthy and various other other things like that? But on the whole, these kind of changes, these kind of external changes, changes don't tend to last when we're trying them in our own strength. They don't tend to last, and it's certainly not something that's really massive on the on the inside. <clears throat> what we're talking about here is something more. It's a new life in relationship with God. In 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 5 it says Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade That's kept in heaven for you So this life, we're we're not only talking about a life that we have now We're talking about a life that goes on and on forever with God God forgives our sins when we trust in him he brings us into a right relationship with him and he continues to work in us isn't that incredible God works in us when we trust in him and as I I touched on there and I do believe it's really important we remember this today that this faith we have in Jesus goes on forever for all eternity we see a pointer to that in the passage I just read from 1 Peter it says they are into an inheritance that can never perish you know when we think of an earthly inheritance it perishes, doesn't last forever just like our natural life doesn't last forever but the inheritance God our Father has prepared a place for us who believe in him and he says it will never spoil and it will never fade and it will never perish praise the Lord for that truth and it's kept in heaven for you and for me we, t- we can't even take in all that that means, but we know that it's good. Amen? Been in the presence of the Lord for eternity, being able to worship Him, having an inheritance that will never spoil or fade. This new life and these blessings for God go on forever. Let's look at verses 6 and 7 there. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus so we see there that as if, when we trust in Jesus we've actually got a new position in Christ the moment we trust in him, a new position God raised us up it says with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, can any of us take that in? I can take it into a certain extent but I'm sure I don't understand the depths of it and I'm Looking forward to exploring more of the depths of that. But that's an instant positional change. Jesus Christ didn't just die and remain dead and paying the price for sins. He rose again three days later. And that's where the victory happened. Because he paid, because he won the victory over sin and death. God raised him from the dead. And he raised him up to be at his right hand in heaven. Victorious. But this is more, this is connecting us into that and saying that when we trust in Christ we have a heavenly position in Christ isn't that wonderful and that's everybody who believes in Christ not for the people that we think are the better ones or comparing ourselves to other people that's all of us who trust in Christ and I trust that's an encouragement to you today this is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that is working in us now a new life we've been given is Jesus' life and our position is with him. Jesus is now seated at the highest place. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1. If you turn back in your Bible to the previous chapter, verse 15 to 23. 
Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised them from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. I started to write some words to try and describe that passage and I can't find, I don't think there's a word in the dictionary to describe how incredible that, what God has done for us is. If we believe in Jesus, we have been given a new life, a new position in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus for now and forever. So we've thought about how sin's work was working against us, how God has worked for us in order that we can trust in him. And also when we do believe in him, that God works in us. And also, let's move on to look at how God works through us. Look at verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, Therefore, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That, that word workmanship in the passage there is the Greek word poema which we derive from our English word poem. That's interesting, isn't it? That was new to me when I, I was studying this particular passage. But the workmanship word poema is what we use for the word poem. It means something that which is manufactured, created, something which is made. In other words, what does this mean then? Well, it means that this new life in Christ that we've received isn't the end of the story. It's actually just the new beginning of the story. It's just the beginning. We are part of God's new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we're, recrea- we're recreated, spiritually speaking, by God's hands. And this is his, he's, he's, got a, he's got a plan and a purpose for us, for good works now. He wants us to do good works. So we started talking about how we can't, in order to get into a relationship with God, we can't get in by good works. But once he recreates us and we trust in him, he has a plan for good works by his hands and his power. Because he's the master creator. Before we trusted in Jesus, we could try to do good works. And there are people that do really great works. But we're doing them in our strength. We're not doing them according to the mighty power of our God. And there's a big difference, isn't there? There's a huge difference between doing what seem to be good works in our own strength or what God has planned and what God can do through us. And this also says some more to us about it. It says that there's an individual plan for each one of our lives. Did you know that? God has an individual plan and a purpose for you. 
for, for things that you're to do. It says which God prepared in advance for us to, for us to do. The challenge here as a, as a Christian would be, are we being obedient to God as a Christian to submit ourselves to his plan and to follow him in what he has planned for us? Sometimes we can back away from, you know, when we become a Christian, we're on fire for God and we're living for him and we're really enthusiastic, but then we just start getting colder and colder over time. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for you and I to be following the, the power of his Holy Spirit within us. Reading his word, praying, knowing that he's empowering us to do good works and to be active. If we're a Christian and we're not active in God's work, in the real, in the real sense of the word, then we're not really living according to uh, the plan and design for our lives. So there's a challenge there for us to be obedient and submit to our Father God and what he would want to do, what he's calling us to do. And if there's anything that's holding us back from that, we need to move it to one side. We need to get rid of it. It says in Hebrews that we should throw, and it's speaking to Christians in Hebrews, throw off everything that hinders us and let's run the race with perseverance. Throw off things that hinder. And if God's saying to you and I today, there's something holding you back, as a Christian, from being fully submitting to the Lord's will, then let's do that. And I'm speaking to myself there as well. So there's just two, two last challenges. I'm, I'm finished now. First challenge from this passage is, have you really believed in Jesus? Not just the head knowledge, not just the, the, some of the external things, but have you really taken the step of saying, I trust in you, and I'm not going to try in my own strength. I'm going to receive you, Jesus. That's the only way it can happen. And secondly, are we being obedient? If we have received Jesus, are we really not letting anything hinder us? God's power is fully available to us, but it's possible that things are hindering us, that we're allowing to have in our lives. I'm thinking about Alec today, and God's work in his life. The creativity which God put in his life was wonderful. Only God can do that. He takes what we have naturally, and he does something supernatural with it. And I'll tell you how you can tell a godly person. One that's humble. One that isn't in it for themselves. That's the heart of God. A heart of compassion. And when you do something, because God's working in it, miracles happen. Is that not what we saw? I can tell you there are churches upon churches who will be represented on Friday. Who will testify to that. And I believe it's a challenge to us. Are we doing the same? And you may say, well I don't have that talent. I don't have that gift. But you do. We all have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of God's power at work in us. And you don't know what God's going to be able to do in your life. You've no idea. And one of the greatest things that God does in a life, and he did it in Alex's life, is personal. Getting alongside people. Speaking to people. Being an encourager. Being a pastor. Being a help. And every one of us can do that. So I'm honouring Alex today. But it's a challenge. It's also a challenge for reaching out. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. And there's an urgency to the sharing of the message. Praying. Getting before the Lord. Getting serious about, about how we serve him. If we're holding back from the best God has for us, then it's affecting other people. And I praise the Lord for the testimony of our life that didn't hold back. <laughs> it's amazing. Didn't hold back. We're not perfect folks. Everybody makes mistakes and so are the people we're thinking about today. But there was no holding back. 
and it's created much fruit for the kingdom of God that goes on and on and for him it's much better now and that's what we're thinking about today God has prepared something far better than we could ever ask or imagine for those who love him but we've got limited time here the background on there is watercolour uh, I like love watercolours I was very creative with that I also love poetry and writing and you name it <laughs> I'm going to have Maureen come and read a a poem. Just thinking about the fact that thinking about the fact of God being the master creator, the his workmanship. Okay, on you Okay. The poem called The Loom of Life. Man's life is laid in the loom of time. To a pattern he does not see. While the weavers work and the shuttles fly till the dawn of eternity. Some shuttles are filled with silver threads, and some with threads of gold, while often but the darker hues are all that they may hold. But the weaver watches with skilful eye, each shuttle fly to and fro, and sees the pattern so deftly wrought as the loom moves sure and slow. God surely planned the pattern each thread, the dark and fair, is chosen by his master's skill and placed in the web of care. He only knows its beauty and guides the shuttles which hold the threads so unattractive as well as the threads of gold. Not till each loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God reveal the pattern and explain the reason why. The dark threads were as needful in the weaver's skilful hand as the threads of gold and silver for the pattern which he had planned. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your plan of salvation. And we, I would pray, Father, that we would all know what it is to receive the gift of your salvation. In Jesus' name. We also thank you, Father, for the plan you have for us as believers and the way that you, you weave it all together and you know the best for us, Lord God. And I just pray you would help us to submit. Uh, to your plan Lord and we'd also take the time Lord to give you thanks for Alec and his life and we thank you that his life goes on in you that he is with you and uh, we do again pray for for Eileen and the family and we do think we do pray you continue to minister to them and to us Lord and help us to to know your strength and you continuing with us as we would seek to serve you and honour you with our lives and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and we give you thanks Lord Amen